Well, good morning, Park. How we doing? We'll try that one more time. I like loud. Oh, there it is. Good morning. Hey, I'm Kyle. I uh, have the joy to be your discipleship pastor. And if you haven't met me, I'd love to greet you and just get to know you better. But um, man, it's been fun to be here serving alongside of you. So I appreciate Andrew allowing me uh, this Sunday to just preach the word this morning. Um, we have enjoyed, my wife Stacy and I have enjoyed getting to know you better. And so I always consider it a high honor when I can come before you and just present what God's laying on my heart. So it's a little bit more difficult having a one-off meeting. Um, we're not, you know, in a, in a series. We kind of completed our uh, series through the month of August, and then we're going to kick off our new fall series. So it's a one-off this morning. And so thank you for um, being here, but it's a little bit more difficult when you have a one-off and you're not going with a theme. But I think we're going to have a great morning this morning because God is amazing. Amen? All right, so just a little bit of history uh, as we get started, because maybe you don't know me as well, and I want to just take this opportunity for us to greet each other and get to know each other a little bit better. But like I said, I'm Kyle, been here about six and a half months. Um, we bought a house in Plymouth, Minnesota, and we're so excited about that. God really led us to that house, and we're getting settled in it, so we're excited about just settling in here in the community. Um, I have enjoyed this past summer. I don't know about you, but the summer picnics were amazing and fun to uh, eat some good food and just celebrate who our church is, and I had a joy of kind of helping with those. I've really enjoyed getting to know some of the youth in our church. We have a fantastic group of youth in our church. I don't know if you know that, but I just want to say congrats to the youth because you guys are awesome. And I'm excited to uh, move that forward as, as God sees fit. And I'm excited to take the baton and um, help with community groups as well. So um, those are some of the things I've been kind of investing my time in so that we can get more connected and know each other better here at Park in our relationship with the Lord. So I've really enjoyed that. But as I thought about this sermon this morning, I, I have to do, I like David Letterman's top 10 list, right? It was kind of fun. Top 10 things. And I thought about it, and obviously we have a time limit here, so I'm going to do top five. The top five things I've learned so far from being here at Park Community Church. You ready for it? All right, here we go. Number five, I have learned that summers in Minnesota are so beautiful and fun. And we have enjoyed this area and getting to know St. Louis Park and the surrounding areas. It is amazingly beautiful with all the lakes and walking trails and opportunities to just enjoy God's beauty. So that's number five. I've really enjoyed kind of the surrounding area that Park Community Church has to offer. Number four, this building is going to be amazing for youth games. I don't know if you've walked around this building, but boy, am I excited to 
grab into my bag of youth ministry tricks, and just plan some fun games to go around the nooks and crannies of this church safely and plant some youth fun activities for that. Number three, oh man, I'm excited because you guys here love to eat good food. I love all of the like varieties of food that we have around us. Walk in the park. Um, that is amazing to eat. As you can tell, I'm not shy uh, around food. I love it. So it's been fun to like experiment with the different places that you know uh, St. Louis Park has. And I have loved. We're great foodies here in this church. I love it. Number two, I've really enjoyed just the depth of preaching and worship here at the church. Amen. And it's so beautiful what we have here. I think it was preached on last week, just how God is working in our church through scripture and worship. So that's number two. I've really enjoyed that. And then number one, you guys, there is such a rich relational feel here at Park, and I love it. I love to get to know you, um, hear your stories, hear your heart. So thank you for who you are. So that's my top five things I've learned uh, being here at Park. So thanks for, you know, entertaining me on that. As we get going, let me pray for our morning this morning. Father, thank you so much for who you are. That we can have a depth of relationship with you. That we can live our lives in such a way that you love us that you challenge us, and that you speak intimately to our lives. Father, this morning I pray that this would not be my words, but you would truly speak this morning. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So this morning you'll see the title, Live Loved, Love Living. And I wanted to kind of just share a little bit about who I was and my background of 20 years in youth ministry. So I've been a pastor for over 20 years, and, and most of it has been in youth ministry. And as I have sat in that chair of leading youth, uh, I thought this morning we should revisit this idea of living love and then allowing that love to reach others, right? And so I did this series about five years ago in 2017, just to give you a background uh, obviously, I have vamped everything for this morning, but I, I took this logo from what I did the series to youth five years ago, because at that time, I felt like in our youth ministry, students really were suffering with not knowing how to live loved, how to understand who they were. And so I just had this heart of like, we need to talk about how to understand the love of Christ. Amidst all of that in our family, we had a deep trauma set in that allowed me to really realize for myself how to live loved. And let me just preface this by we're doing great now. But five years ago, my daughter, Annika, dove deeply into a dark depression. And so it was really scary for our family she all of a sudden was not sleeping, was not eating, was losing weight. And so it was really hard struggle with where she was going. And 
we had to like hunker down and really, you know, walk alongside this journey with her. And like I said, she's doing an amazing job now. God is good. But during that time, I really needed to focus on the love of God that he has for us. Um, so I developed this series. Why bring it up now? Because I feel like in our society, and as I look at youth culture and kind of my background, we have a, a problem, a situation, a, a realization that we're in a, a society that doesn't understand love and is dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety, to be honest with you. So I, uh, I just bought this book, Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager, and gave it to the parents of our church that have teenagers. I have a few extra copies, but it's by Kara Powell and Brad Griffin. And um, she highlights in the beginning just this idea of what's happening right now in the youth. And so she says, we're facing an urgent, urgent mental health crisis among the young people in America. Looking specifically at the United States data from the first 12 months of the pandemic, we're talking 2020 to 2021, so we're a year out, that indicated the rate of anxiety among all ages tripled, and depression almost quadrupled. Almost approximately half of the U.S. young adults ages 18 to 24 have wrestled with anxiety and depression during the pandemic. As I read this, this message is not only for me, but it's for us to continually understand the hope that lies in what we have and the love of God. It's just this past week I had a conversation with a youth student that was struggling with anxiety and depression. And so I know it's out there. It lies in me. It lies in us. And I'm praying this morning this message helps a little with what we can do to rely more on God. So live loved. Understand. So this is a, a understand who you are and then let it flow out. Because if we truly understand our identity and who we are and how God loves us, I believe that can transform how we live and move and interact with those around us. We won't be crippled. We won't have this fear. We will be loving others as Christ loves us. So as I thought about this message and I looked at kind of who we are as a church, it beautifully goes along with our vision statement and who we are as a church. I love it. I love who Park is and how we're moving. So let me just remind you of that. If you don't know, you may be new. Let me just remind you of Park Community Vision Statement. To live as a multiplying church family, as sons and daughters who pursue God, brothers and sisters who practice his commands, and neighbors and witnesses who proclaim his gospel. So sons and daughters, we pursue. God our Father has adopted us, has given us access to him. We seek and know him and love him through prayer, worship, and his word. Second one, we are brothers and sisters. We practice. Jesus has united us to live out his ways. We seek to know and love one another in community, caring for each other, spiritual and physical needs. Then we are neighbors and witnesses. We proclaim. 
The Holy Spirit has empowered us to share the gospel in word and in deed. We seek to know and love others through the community engagement and telling others God's story of redemption. I believe this is a beautiful vision statement for where we're going, where we are, and who we are as part. And so thank you for the elders and staff and all those that have shaped this as we move forward as a church family here at Park. But I'm going to put my spin on it this morning. And the first section is live loved. And then we're going to move into the second section of how to love others. Okay, so let's focus on live love this morning. And I want to just dive into Romans 8. Romans 8. And I have these passages up on the the slides, <clears throat> if you follow along. You can follow along in your, your, your Bibles as well. But Romans 8, 37 through 39. It's up on the screen. Uh, turn to it if you want. Paul says this, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me just read that last statement again because it's key. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing couple things here. God will not and cannot fail us. We have failures all around us. Relational failures, work failures, school failures. It's prevalent, but God cannot. He has no capacity to fail us. And I hope that can sink in because that's in the preface in 31 and 34, if you read that. Beginning there, that's what that says. He will not fail us. Number two, we have the power through the Holy Spirit to conquer our trials and life issues. Verse 37. Number three, we see in this passage, nothing can separate us, like I just said. Nothing can separate us. And that ties into the fear washing away with understanding these truths. That our fear ceases. And I feel like when we truly sit in this passage, me myself, when I sit and understand the depth of this, my anxiety ceases. Now, it doesn't go away, but there is less worry. There's less things on my mind because I understand what God's love is for me. And that's the reminder that we need to have. So bookmark that if you haven't already. Come back to that because God's love for us will never leave, no matter what happens. So a couple things to understand this morning about living loved by God. Number one, understand, again, we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece the love of God he has for us is a creation by God of us. Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 talks about this masterpiece, this workmanship. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
Paul says to his church. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are, we are his workmanship, his handiwork. We are made by his hands. I'm not a great artist. I can do some. I'm, I'm, I don't claim to be an artist, but maybe some of you are artists. And that's a beautiful thing when you craft something with your hands. You paint, you whatever it is you do. You, you see this product that comes out and you can say, I did that. It's beautiful. It takes time, mostly. And that's what God has done for us. He has created us. He has loved us. And it's a masterpiece. You know, the Greek word workmanship here is poinima. I'm not fluent in Greek. But it's P-O-I-E-M-A, which our English word poem derives from. So we are a poetic work of art from God. You know, and, and I thought about this idea of, of what, is, what does this process look like? And obviously we need to go back to Scripture. So there's, I think there's a few biblical examples. There's probably many more, but just a few to highlight, as you see on the screen, of this. Moses, he spent 40 years in the wilderness before God used him. Joseph, he suffered 13 years in prison before taking second in command in Egypt. David, he was anointed as a young boy, only to be on the run and in exile before becoming king. What about Peter? I love Peter's story. Ah, Jesus, I will die for you. Ah, I will stand right by your side. And then when Jesus went to the cross, he hid, he fled. I don't know him. Jesus who? But yet, God used Peter to start his church. And then Paul, he spent three years in Arabia after his conversion before his ministry. So, so that's what I'm saying. It's a process of God molding and shaping us to be his workmanship, his handiwork. He knew exactly before time this process. He's God. But we didn't. I love, um, I love the skit guys. I don't know if you've ever watched their, their stuff. They, are, they do like um, theater little vignettes uh, to kind of illustrate scripture. And I, they did this video called Chisel. Uh, go look it up. It's really powerful on this idea that we are God's masterpiece. So they do this process of where, you know, God is chiseling away and it hurts and it's painful, but God is making us beautiful before him. And so I really like that illustration and, and a lot of times I've shown that to the youth uh, just to uh, illustrate this idea that we are God's masterpiece. So that's understanding number one. Number two, we need to understand the proper concept of Imago Dei. We are made in the image of God. Imago Dei. This is our identity. All right. <laughs> Woo, we got a mirror. Whoa. Uh, 
made in the image. We see an image here. You see an image. Maybe not. Maybe so. But we are made in the image. When I look in this, I see Kyle. We are in his image. I'll come back to that in a minute. Genesis 1, 26-27. So how do we view ourselves? How do we view ourselves when we look in the mirror? Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Let me just kind of look at the Imago Dei here. It says, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish, the sea, over the birds, over the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created him. God created us in his own image. It's beautiful. Let me just remind you, I, well, so I thought about this, we're in a selfie culture. I think God took a selfie of himself and then said, here you go. He said we're, what he created was good. It's important to understand that if you flip to Genesis 1.31. Because he said he saw everything he created, man and woman, and it was very good. That's key, ladies and gentlemen, to understanding how we are created. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make junk. We are very good. Amen? So that's key. As we look at the Imago Dei, it starts from creation, who we are. Obviously, if you know the story, you're sitting here, you know the fall happened, Genesis 3. There was separation from God, and that's why we needed Jesus to come and restore us back to God. But we are sanctified and set apart. That's our position. If you look at the word sanctification, we have a position before God. We are set apart. He created us to worship him. All of our worth comes from God. We need to see ourselves as a new creation. You see, if you look at Romans 6, Paul paints that picture of the old is dead and the new is alive. We are alive in Christ when we come to know him, when we have a relationship with him. All the dead is buried and alive we are in Christ. That's what's beautiful about baptism. We get to celebrate that. I love Colossians 3.10 here. If you look at three, Colossians 3.10, it says, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. This is ongoing process of being renewed in Christ. What does Paul mean here? Our image, our new image, comes from joining Jesus and becoming free of our sin and our old self. See, that's what's key. That's why I love what I do is helping people understand their freedom in Christ. We don't have to live like we lived before. That is dead. That is gone. We have this new image. As we look in the mirror, do we see God reflected in ourselves through the Holy Spirit? That's the beautiful thing. All right. We are image bearers. 
We are image bearers. When we look in the mirror, our identity has changed. We should see that. Young or old here this morning, when you go and look in the mirror, you should see your identity is not your old identity if you have a relationship with Jesus. If you've trusted and placed your faith in him, it is in Christ Jesus and you have changed. But identity is a hard thing because our old keeps creeping in. Let me give you an example. Obviously, I had a transition getting here to park. I love how God has placed me here. But last summer, I transitioned out of my old ministry after 10 years in Menominee. I transitioned out of that. My wife and I moved to Colorado, and we had, I had some downtime to, I call it my sabbatical, just to, to kind of see what was, God, what was next for us in our journey, what God had for us next. And it was interesting there. For the first time in 10 years, I was not a pastor, which is okay. But internally, I had this like dialogue of, what does that mean? Okay, and, and what I'm saying is, I think I had a lot more identity wrapped around in my title than who I was, and I had to wrestle through that, and God allowed me some freedoms in that. I mean, I went to church, walked in and walked out. I love being a pastor, but it's not my identity. My identity is found in in Jesus. So I wrestled with that. And then I just want to share with you what I wrote in my journal. Last December, as I was wrestling through that, I said, Psalm 104, it came, I was reading through the Psalms, Psalm 104, bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, you are very great. Thank you for this journey. Thank you for the ups and for the downs. May I continue to look to you. You are very great. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. I found my identities in God. And we all struggle with that, right? We all struggle with our identity. But we are tempted to believe the lies. And that transition is my point number three. When we live loved, we need to defeat the lies that the enemy brings. We have to transform our thinking daily. So one of the things that happened in my daughter's depression is it was a very dark time for her. And she just could not see God. It was, there was just this blackness that enveloped her. And so my wife, in her beauty and love, printed out scripture. And she printed out all these scripture passages and truths. And we taped them all over her room. We put them all over her mirror so that wherever she looked, Scripture was present. Scripture was present. It helps to see truth. Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are of earth. So our identity has been transformed because we have been raised through Christ Jesus through his death and resurrection. As I was reading and preparing, Warren Wiersbe said in his commentary, our feet must be here on earth, but our minds must be in heaven. 
So it's that concept of set your mind on things of heaven, even though your feet are still on this earth. That's the mindset we have. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is another great verse about this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. We need to give it up to God. We need to daily give it up to Him. You know, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Take every thought captive and make it obedient to God. Take every thought captive and give it to God. That's replacing those lies with truths. I had that this morning. Even as I was driving here. Just the lies that creep in about not being good enough, and I just the sermon and all of that, and I said, no, that's a lie. God has placed me here. I'm good enough. I don't know what God will do with this, but you see those lies that creep in every single day? We need to replace them with truth. I love that we can do that. And then Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So Paul says there, these are the things that you should think about. You should set your minds on. Those things that are good and honorable and just and pure and lovely. But sometimes our mind allows the lies and, and just the ugliness to set in. And we get kind of asphyxiated and spiraled into those. And quickly, my challenge to you is to remember truth. Remember the truth. So here's your assignment. The mirror. Go into the mirror today and have Scripture remind you of who you are. And how God loves you. Tape these scriptures on your mirror if you haven't. To see those. Because you are made in the Imago Dei. The image of God. And that's beautiful. And I love that we can have that promise. Alright. As we looked at the kind of logo that I had. There's a second part. So if we understand who we are. Identity being made in the image of God. Then that transforms us to live that out to those brothers and sisters in our congregation, in our life, and also the lost, our neighbors and witnesses. It's transformative. So how do we love our brothers and sisters, part community, those who love Jesus better? And I think one of the ways is found in 1 Peter. We'll look at 1 Peter uh, 4, 8 through 10. So this summer, I was at my wife's work conference, and the president got up, and she works for a military ministry that sends missionaries to military bases. They set up homes, and they have hospitality, meals, Bible studies. It's beautiful. And so this was a worldwide conference where all the missionaries came, and we got the the joy to serve there with them. Uh, My wife was overseeing the conference, and the president stood up, and he shared this passage, and it just struck me as this is what we need to be doing 
as brothers and sisters with each other. It's actually written for us as brothers and sisters to the church, to the believers. So it says this, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another. I love this, without grumbling. Why did he have to put that in there? Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, okay, okay, yep, yep, I can't grumble. Yes, hospitality, yes. I love when you put those little, don't grumble. Um, Grumbling, I, I, I was reading once, grumbling means murmuring and um, it's kind of when the Israelites were grumbling, they murmured. And I love that murmuring and murmuring. That slow, like, like what, what did you say? And it said grumbling. Like, you know, like, like that's, we don't do that. Don't grumble. Don't mumble. But as each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So be loving. And there's, there's, this, there's twofold, I think, parts of being loving here. It's a fervent love. A fervent love meaning we need to really embrace our brothers and sisters and work hard to love each other. That takes time and that takes relational equity to be built up. I don't think it happens overnight, but I think after time we can truly love each other in our differences in how we're made, how God designed us. And it's also a forgiving love. And that's key. This is a hard one, to be quite honest, because sometimes I like to hold grudges. Sometimes I like to uh, not forgive because then I get the better way. And that's not right. You know, my counselor told me, uh, writing a letter about what you've been hurt about by a believer often helps. Sometimes you don't have to deliver that letter, but you just write it all out. Like, get your expression to God out there, and that allows the forgiveness in your heart to move on. Forgiving is huge. We can't hold grudges, and and I'm working on this along with you. As we love each other as brothers and sisters, that's what is said here in 1 Peter And then secondly, we need to be hospitable. We need to open up our lives for others, to care for them. Um, I love our new house. We're excited that God, how he has led. Um, It's truly a God story. If you haven't heard it, it's amazing how God designed uh, this house for us, how we got it. Um, I'd love to share that story with you sometime, but we love our house to be used for hospitality, um, to be used for what God wants. And coming to this church, let me just have a little side note. I love what we're doing with community groups in homes where we can share uh, life with one another. And so I love that we're doing that. I love to be a part of that. So hospitality is key. And then serving How has God given you a gift to show love to others? And that doesn't necessarily mean like serving in a ministry in the church, although (laughs) we need some more people. (laughs) But it's seeing needs of your brothers and sisters and serving alongside of them. 
This can be what you do privately with another person um, and love on them. Because the, the purpose is to glorify God in all that we do. That's in the end of that section there. And finally, neighbors and witnesses. Neighbors and witnesses. How can we love those who are lost around us? What is the challenge there? Well, Jesus gave us a great roadmap. Jesus showed us the way. A few examples. That can, there's many. But if you look at the blind man in Matthew 20, we see this example of going to the lost. And as they went out to Jericho, I'm just reading 20, 29 through 34. As they went out to Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And beloved, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they had heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent, but they cried out all more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called to them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Jesus stops and takes pity on these blind men as they cried out. I think there's intersections in our life, crossroads, where we meet people intentionally that don't know Christ. How do we interact with them to love on them and show pity? Pity is a strong word, but just show kindness to them. I love that this was preached on a couple weeks ago, but the woman at the well is another example where Jesus went out intentionally. You know, so Samaria, most times Jews went around Samaria so that they didn't intersect or go into where Gentiles were. And Jesus went intentionally right through Samaria to the well. And that was on purpose because he knew about the woman and he gave her living water. He gave her spiritual change and her life was changed forever and a community was changed forever as she went out and, and told them about the living water. Zacchaeus. I love this story. I have since I was a little boy. Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man, right? He climbed up in a sycamore tree. You can sing the song. You can... You know, we, we, we teach on it, but it's that idea that Jesus stopped, looked up, and said, come down. And then I love verse 6 here in Luke 19. So Zacchaeus hurried down and came and received him joyfully. Received him joyfully. So they went to his house, and he said, Today, salvation, this is in verse 9. Jesus says, today, salvation has come to this house since he is a son of Abraham. So hospitality goes a long way. Salvation can come through it. And then finally, Levi, the tax collector. You know, these, these tax collectors, they, they were all about money and grabbing money, and they weren't really liked. And Jesus went intentionally to this group of people, the tax collectors, and went to their house, the house of Levi. 
and had a great feast, a meal with them. And so we see Jesus intersecting and loving the lost. So as we look at closing out, kind of how do we how do we do this with our neighbors and be witnesses? We intersect, we're intentional, and we invite. So intersecting, where are the places that you can find and love on those that don't know Jesus? <laughs> when I, <laughs> commonalities, right? Sports is a great commonality. Uh, when I live in Fort Collins, I'm a huge Vikings fan. So we flew our Vikings flag out in our house. And Colorado is kind of a hodgepodge. There's a lot of Broncos fans. But, you know, we had Bears fans. We had uh, Raiders fans. We had all kinds of fans. And we even had a Packers fan. Um, But we had that commonality in our neighborhood of sports and football teams. And it was kind of fun to talk and have that camaraderie. Whatever word that is. Um, But what are the things that you do that intersect with those who don't know Jesus. For me, just loving theater has been a way that I can get to know a community. And so in my past ministry, I had a lot of fun being in plays and musicals. And so it was so fun to be on stage. And so I think there's a, there I am. Uh, This was Newsies. Um, I had a lot of fun um, being, yeah, there I am, all in my glory singing. uh, I was mean Pulitzer, by the way. Um, and that was just a lot of fun to be honest, to like not be a pastor, but be in community with those around me. Had great conversations, but what are the places and, and things where you can then intersect those who don't know Jesus? Where is that at? What do you love to do? Where, where are those places that God has brought you to, to find that And then be intentional. Invite them over to your house. Invite them maybe here to park. Show them hospitality, as I've already mentioned. I think of Matthew 5, 16, as I close on this. Let your light shine. Let your light shine because you have been transformed by the love of Jesus. Let your love shine. Let your light shine. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine. Park, we are at a great spot in our church. I love the direction we're going. And I just want to encourage you to live love and love living. What does that mean for you? I don't know. I don't know what God will do with this sermon at all, but I really hope that you take a bit of this and practice it this week. Whether you need to work on your identity and looking in the mirror, or you need to work on how you are in process and in relationship with others, I pray that God will use this. So let me just transition to our time in communion, and let us take for a moment and pause and see who Jesus is again in our lives. So take out the cups in front of you. I'll invite the worship team to come up as we close out our time. But take out the communion cup. And as Jesus was sitting in that upper room, he broke the bread. 
And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Let us partake together. So let's partake. And then he passed the cup. So tear that off and let's look at the blood of Jesus as it represents for us drinking the cup. Let's partake together. God, we thank you this morning for what you have done for us on the cross. God, how you have shaped us in our identity. And God, the love that you have for us. May we truly be ambassadors for you and how you love us and how that impacts those around us. Amen.